0: Hey,
1: hey. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, oh. Hello Choose Love Friends! This is Scarlett Lewis, the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement, here today to talk about our children and their well-being in this brave new world. And I'm so fortunate to have one of our Choose Love advisors on this podcast with us today. Her name is Jackie Dunn. She is a dear friend um, and also nurse practitioner um, for children. And she has her own private practice in Stamford and Westport, Connecticut. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much,
2: Scarlett, for um, having me. And, uh, you know, allowing me to educate everyone and talk about what I see. And I really hope after this uh, podcast that people will benefit from it and they'll learn something and they'll understand what it's like to be a child or a teenager going through this. So I think that's one of the most difficult, right? I think that's difficult for, for parents, um, even just to remember what it was like to be a child and how children think differently, how teenagers think differently. And it's really just because where they're at developmentally. And and all kids, whether they're eight years old and they're at they're at their developmental level level where they should be, there are eight year olds that aren't. They're are maybe developmentally a five year old. So I think it's important for us all to remember to teach our kids help our kids, guide them at the developmental level, age that they're at. And that's hard. That's really hard. Um, You know, we as parents have our own expectations on ourselves that we may put on our kids. And so this will just be a friendly, gentle reminder. Um, No judgment. (laughs) And um, I think I said this before, but... Uh, I'm telling all my parents and caregivers to that the most important thing through this whole thing is to be kind, to be kind to themselves, to ourselves, to be kind to our children, be kind to our neighbors, because we have no idea what everybody's going through, mm-hmm. and that's true even before the pandemic, but now even more so. Because now we have families that may have lost a loved one, uh, somebody who's sick, uh, financial. And I'll get into that because this is something that we're going to be dealing with in the future for sure. Um, And so, and also there's no perfect pandemic parent or caregiver. (laughs) So I think that's also really, um, I want. I want everyone to maybe even write that down, write it on their mirror when they get up in the morning and look
1: in the bathroom mirror, no perfect pandemic parent. Um, So I guess I have on my mirror, I am enough. (laughs) Just a gentle reminder. Literally that's on my mirror. That's on JT's mirror. I've got that written everywhere in my house because that's a great reminder that, that, you know, it's, there's a lot going on and it's really important. To be kind to ourselves number one
2: that's you know what
1: that's a good idea
2: i am going to start to suggest that to my patients and and their parents and their caregivers that's very good
1: yeah that's reminders yes i love that it's like you know it's like affirmations and uh i think a lot of times we have this negative bias and we walk around mumbling and muttering things um, criticizing ourselves and others. And when you do that, that's what you're going to find. And so, you know, it's just important to remember that we have control over our thoughts. We don't have control over much in our world (laughs) today, but you have control over our thoughts.
2: Yes. Yes. Very true. And and this is a big thing that we talk about in therapy in general Um, for us to Incorporate that now into what's going on with the pandemic, because it is a different thought process of what we're all going through, but it is the same thing that we can control our thoughts. So let's, I think the first thing is to, um, for me to talk a little bit about what children and teens are going through in their minds just because of where they're at developmentally. So I thought I wanted to start out by saying that um, depending on the age of the child, they uh, don't possess like the intellectual development to be able to differentiate between their rational and irrational fears. So for them, uh, it's much more frightening um, and more difficult for them. And as a result, all of the things, even if they're in therapy, they're not able to engage in the healthy self-talk in order to figure out they're anxious and how anxious they are. So really what it means is that lack of insight that's natural for children at younger ages and, and even all, even teenagers Just the fact that they don't have that, it worsens their fears and they can't, right? They can't, they can't do, they can't talk to themselves in a healthy way because they don't, they don't even know where they're at. They don't even know if what they're feeling is, um, if it's okay to feel that way, is it normal to feel this way? They have no idea. And so their fears actually are more irrational. The, at least the younger children, because I think of it when I worked in hospitals and developing and de- depending where the child was at developmentally, for instance, we would say, let's put a band aid on your boo-boo. Okay. Because it's bleeding. So to, children at a certain age, they think, oh my goodness, am I going to lose all my blood? Mm. And that's just natural. Mm. So now with listening to the news, and we can't help but have the news on, I know parents, caregivers, we're all trying to be mindful of what we're saying, but still, we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And we still talk about um, our fears. Mm -hmm. And So kids will take that and take it five steps further. The world's going to end. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get COVID. So these are things that I really think it's important for, for us and, you know, mental health care to try and really gently reinforce and educate because there's no fault. There's no blaming here. It's just learning. Um, And, I also wanted to touch upon, well, actually, so reasons too. So it's innate in human beings to want to connect socially, physically. That's just part of our DNA, right? And so not being able to go to school, not being able to see friends, going to see their favorite teacher when they're feeling badly, Uh, going to gym class, right? Exercising, doing those fun things. That is really stressful for kids, whether we know it or not. And school is a safe place mm. for men, mm-hmm. right? And they, they get their meals, right? So those are certain things that um, I think we have to remember. And that, well, I'll, I'll go over some sort of like solutions at the end, but I wanted to point that out, that children are much more affected by the lack of human connection than adults are because they, they can't rationalize. And also um, thinking about sports and their outside activities, you know, for some kids that may not necessarily excel in school, or even if they do, these, the sports that they're involved with that really helps build their self-esteem. Mm. You're really good at football. Uh-huh. You're really good at piano. And now, now they're missing that. All
1: of their extracurricular uh, activities outside of the house anyway, are cut off.
2: Yes, exactly. And those, those, those type of things um, affect children in just their own self-esteem their own, how they are, how they get along with their teachers, meaning their coach coaches to many of these kids are their role model. And they seek comfort and guidance into, you know, with their, from Mm -hmm, their coaches. mm -hmm. So those are things that I think we have to be mindful of. And even if we are trying really hard and it doesn't happen, some days not to beat ourselves up to take a step back every couple of days check in with yourself and remind yourself of certain these certain things I also wanted to talk a little bit about trauma from COVID so COVID in itself is not considered a traumatic experience at least, you know, according to, you know, the, our, what's called our DSM. And that's how we um, diagnose different mental illnesses, but the effects from COVID are considered trauma and the um, depression, the anxiety. So going forward, where I firmly believe we are going to have Many, many more people having, developing anxiety, depression, mood disorders because of COVID. I mean,
1: even post-traumatic stress disorder?
2: Well, not necessarily the PTSD, the post-traumatic stress, because, and, and I think the outcome from it, such as our healthcare workers that are on the front line They are developing PTSD from, right, what they're seeing. Uh, Families that may, you know, may necessarily not be seeing it, they're going to develop the mental illness that they may have not had before because of the effects of COVID. And what I mean by that is loss of a job, loss of a loved one, a family friend from Mm. COVID,
0: um,
2: lack of human connection for themselves. And I also think about, um, those that already have a pre-existing psychological illness, either the adult or the child, you know, now might even be a time where they are not able to connect with us. And so that may be because, fine. yeah, yes, they may, right. right. Because they may not be able to do it financially. Yeah. Uh they lost their job. They don't have mm. insurance. Uh, and those are just those are just some of the reasons why their pre-existing mental illness may even worsen. So basically from that is you well, scratch that. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so an outcome of that is going to be worsening pre-existing mental illness and then new mental illness for those that have never had it. Um, So I also, um, so I just, so as I was just talking about exacerbation of our pre-existing psychological issues, also those um, returning from college. So, you know, kind of not talking about younger kids, but now our older kids, this, what I'm finding is really difficult because college, you know, kids may not have had a great experience in high school, but they get to college, they're out of their Mm -hmm. home and they are, they found their, they found their group of friends they identify with. They feel good in school academically. Now they have to go back home Mm. and, even if the environment wasn't toxic for them, they now are back living with their parents' rules um, and expectations on them that, you know, they may have viewed differently when they got to college. Loss so, of
1: independence, loss of maybe some self-confidence. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. That loss of independence, huge. And uh, and also the social mm.
1: isolation. Social isolation. and. Yes,
2: yes. From and right from all of the people, all the kids that they um, develop new friendships with at school. So we are seeing that. And then as a result, also with both are mostly, I would say, the high school students and the college students, the lack of motivation. I'm seeing it more and more now because the homeschooling online learning is more difficult than I think anybody anticipated. Why is that? And, Why is that? Well, definitely one thing is the social yeah, factor. For sure. For sure. Um, lack of communication and that face to face contact with their teachers it's really hard to learn to teach yourself and no fault to the educational system. But is what's happening is uh, kids are getting their assignments and they don't have access to the teachers like they used to. And now they're trying to figure it all out on themselves. And it's a different type of skill to learn how to um, teach yourself online the type of schooling you have to do online. Work
1: independently, and, right? I mean, adults find yeah. that difficult as well.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And this is a dip- different type of executive, fun- bleh, scratch that. Um, it's using executive functioning skills that maybe they hadn't used before And now they don't know how to use that organizational skills. They don't have them. uh, You have
1: to be taught these things,
2: right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And their brains haven't developed until the age of 21. So there it's, it's lacking already. (laughs) So this is something new and nobody can teach them this, uh, We can help them, but it's frustrating. When you say nobody can
1: teach them this, you mean there's nobody that is teaching them this right now. They're just kind of expected to have these skills and to put them into, but, you know, because now all this has been thrust on them and this is the way that we're going to do it, but there's been no, uh, no setup for it and, and, and no kind of pre-teaching to be able to handle this new environment.
2: You said it much better than I could. Absolutely, nobody could teach them this, be- because the it our schools shut down really quickly. Yeah. Um, I remember a week before we weren't, we weren't even considering it for our schools. Now that's it, and teachers also. I think about you know not the college, you know not the teachers in college, but elementary school, middle school they're not used to having, you know, to put assignments online and also our kids that already
1: have learning mm. disabilities, they're having a really oh, tough absolutely. time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, and this, this, as an adult, you can totally understand. I mean, even, even myself, I find it hard to focus, you know, when you have the distraction mm. of home and you're by yourself and it's, it's, there's so many factors that go into this.
2: Right, there are, there are, and parents don't know how to do it, and they're working. Um, Kids, kids don't really like doing schoolwork with their parents
1: at a certain age. And you know what? They just don't. We're talking about developmental level, right? For kids, like if there's an eight-year-old, they may be developmentally five. Um, But isn't that kind of true for adults as well? I mean, aren't we all a little bit at different developmental levels? just kind of based on our life experiences and how we've managed them and where we are and what we're dealing with currently. Some people have, you know, a ton going on right now, as you said, with illness and loss of work. And I don't know, I just feel like we're kind of all coming at this from places. And then also basically different skill levels. I mean, when you're talking about social and emotional intelligence, um, we're all at different levels. And, and even if you, even if you were uh, fortunate enough, the very few to have learned this at home and in school. uh, And when I'm talking about social, emotional intelligence, I'm talking about how to have Healthy relationships, how to manage our emotions, how to make responsible decisions, um, how to be resilient, how to thoughtfully respond to things that happen in your life and, and grow through them. Um, you know, even if even if we were lucky to have that, it has to be practiced. And a lot of people don't have that. So I think when you're talking about developmental levels, that also applies to adults. Yes. Yes.
2: So actually, so just to um, talk a little bit about those social emotional skills. Right. So adults have to be taught. And because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit why. So, okay. okay. I just looked this up and there was a study. It's actually a 2020, just, just a recent study done um, in the journal of public economics. And what they're seeing is the social emotional skills have become more unequal between 1970 to 2000, regardless of the pandemic. And be with our birth cohorts. So, children born between those that time frame, um, they our gap is widening, and it's widening even more now. Be based on the socioeconomic status of families, educational level. So, I believe that now going forward, the gap is going to continue to grow Mm -hmm. because we've already seen studies that show it's been unequal. And they set up to the year 2000 because I think as we've, as society has started to learn that not only is education important, uh, getting a job important, but how we parent, Mm -hmm. how we teach is also Mm -hmm. important. We're Mm -hmm. not there yet, but we've started to make progress. Um, But now I think from the pandemic, we are going to see going forward families that economically are suffering, um, even educational. So,
1: I mean, part, part of that, because... If you have social emotional intelligence, you're more resilient to things that happen in your life. You can manage your emotions and, um, you know, you, you're you better able to. And I, I think, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, that is why I gap after the pandemic, because those who have these skills and tools are going to do better than those that don't. And it's going to be. Very obvious. and you know unless we have courageous leadership in place that we need not react and reacting out of fear, we're actually you know what we call acting out of love and focusing on emotional intelligence, that that, that gap is going to continue to widen.
2: Yes, I, I do believe that. And I believe it's going to widen, right? Like I talked about, because there's going to, the gap is going to get even greater, wider. And unless you are resilient, and I believe there are so many people out there that have that capability, they just haven't learned it because they can be resilient in getting back on their feet and getting a job things like that but the social emotional intelligence it's it's it it has to be taught i really believe it does and leading by example so what i'm thinking is now families are going to be suffering in ways that we had, they may not have been suffering up until now. And unfortunately, right, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. putting a roof over your head, feeding your children, um, that I think for many is going to become more of a priority. Mm-hmm. But with that comes the stress, comes the anxiety, mm-hmm. comes the depression. And then If adults themselves are starting to suffer that and hadn't before or it's worsened, how are they going to lead by example for their own Uh children? I think it can be done because there are plenty of people out there that do suffer from mental illness but still are resilient Mm -hmm. because they've – or they're – They maybe can't take care of themselves, but they know the importance of taking care of their kids and teaching um, and maybe even trying to teach their partner. But I do believe that it's going to change. And I don't, I don't want to be pessimistic. Maybe in the beginning it's going to change for the worse, but if we really keep trying to forge ahead and educate access to care, That's going to be, I think that's going to be very difficult because if there's more and more people that are starting to, you know, become more depressed and anxious, they can't find a job, the access, there's going to be lack of access. And so where I'm going with that is what does therapy do for people? We teach, at least I know I do in my own practice. We teach the importance for parents, especially what we can do for our children. Because when you get down to it, after I've done a full psychiatric evaluation, do you know what I find? A lot of times it's nature versus nurture, okay? Kids are born with their parents' DNA. If there is a family history, of a mental illness what are the chances of them also having it the, who knows 25 50 it depends what it is but it's also the nurturing mm. what goes on in the home mm. and and i do find that if kids are not if their social emotional needs are not met if there's violence mm-hmm. if there's abuse mm-hmm. emotional abuse These kids are suffering. And so therapy really helps them and how, you know, to be mindful, to, you know, get rid of those negative thoughts to not assume the worst in people, um, not to be judgmental, things like that. And so
1: where were I oh, going with this? So, I'm sorry. It's so good. I mean, that is, that is really, really <laughs> important. And, and I would take that one step further that kids can okay. be taught social and emotional intelligence, which can also help them to not fall into um, maybe repeating patterns because they are mindfully aware of them and they have the skills and tools to rise above them. And, and then I think it's also important to for parents to be mindful that they are modeling in the moment how they're teaching their kids through their own actions and reactions on how to handle difficulty, uncertainty, challenges, roadblocks in, in their lives. And the kids are learning right now as they watch their parents and how they're behaving and what they're doing.
0: Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. You could be part of the solution too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org.
1: You know, for me, just having that awareness really helps me. And then I think about it every single day, uh, helps me put my best foot forward for JT now in, in that I know that, you know, that he's, you know, kids watch their parents and they see what they do and that's how they learn. And so um, we have to be mindful of that so that we, we do put our best foot forward during this time.
2: I think that's why we get along so well, Scarlett, because (laughs) I, um, I, you know, I, I have, I wanted to add on to that a little bit. Yes, yes. So just adding to what you said and without repeating it, you know, and saying the same thing, but, you know, the things that I've thought about and the things that I've been trying to go over with my families when I'm doing, um, you know, teletherapy sessions is, um, oh. resilience. And I'm, I am really trying to help them understand that this is a, maybe a perfect time to start to teach them resilience. Um, because, you know, if you think about it, kids are not exposed to the hardships that perhaps we were or our Mm -hmm. parents were that not if we can Um, help it. So
1: (laughs) right as parents,
2: (laughs) wrap them Uh, up in bubble wrap where they go
1: out. So nothing happens. (laughs) So they don't feel any pain.
2: Exactly. No, it's, it's very true. Parents really don't want to see their kids um, have to go Uh through anything. That's difficult as we know, the human brain actually grows Uh and thrives on Uh adversity and right failing and Uh then getting right back up. So I think now it's probably a good time to teach our kids that they can be resilient and how can they be resilient by changing Uh their thoughts. What I was also, you know, trying to you know, to emphasize to parents, if they can, that now's a really good time to act as a team. Um, And how, if we tell our kids and teach our kids that um, moms and dads can't do this all alone, and that if it, you know, at the appropriate age, um, how kids can start to help in the house, how families are a team, and they can help each other. And, you know, maybe... Some days, mom's just not up to cleaning something. The kids can kind of step in. It's called having some empathy, right? And kids, kids, it's innate in many of us to have empathy. But sometimes I think it's lost nowadays because it's become all about ourselves or all about helping our kids not to experience Uh uh anything that's harmful. So I thought that was something that, you know, parents can start to, um, stress to their children that they're, I love
1: that it's called personal responsibility, right?
2: (laughs) There you go. You said it in in a couple of words that I, that I just, yeah, that's great.
1: I, 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 totally agree. but um, I, I have a question. So if you're a parent and you're listening to this podcast, because you're worried about your kids that have been home now for seven or eight weeks, and they're seeing some signs that maybe they are not doing so well at school and they're struggling. Um, when is the time to seek professional help for your kids? That's a really good question. So for the younger
2: kids, um, if they're starting, so some of this, if they're starting to see regression and kids will, you know, start to act out, really act out by uh, maybe becoming more physical or Mm -hmm. crying a lot, irrational fears that you can't calm. Um, If it gets to a point where, you know, parents just really cannot you know, bring their kids level of anxiety down or their, or parents are not even care okay. what they're seeing. That's, that's a good time. I would say that is a time where you need to reach out. Um, if they're starting to see their teenager, um, mm. not showering, um, not doing schoolwork at all, mm. complete avoidance. Um, if their children or their teenagers were not big gamers in the beginning, uh, and now it's like a, you know, twenty four seven type of thing, yeah, obsession. It's time to reach out. Um, those are like some big signs. It's really like the self care. I see. Um, I'm in their room. I wouldn't say that that's a time to reach out because a lot of us are. Um, a lot of us are, those are definitely I didn't... Uh, well, we're kind of, we're, we're going into, you know, teenagers are spending more time mm, in their okay. room. I, w- I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't get too upset about that because where else can they go? Right. It's not, you know, teenagers don't want to be in the house with their parents for a long time as it is. Um, also any, any, um, drugs or alcohol. That you're starting to mm-hmm. see, especially if they're doing it alone, mm. uh, drinking alone or smoking pot alone at mm-hmm. night. I'm also seeing that, so I would those are times to reach out. I have a family that um, the child is unable to do really any of their work, so I reached out to the school, got mm-hmm. a 504, and I help with the organizational skills and their thriving they're doing
1: that you can go to the school and you can get a special adaptive plan a 504 plan for your child to make special accommodations for them correct even now during the pandemic
2: yes yes even now and many schools probably (laughs) i know every time i speak to one of my kids or my parents i make sure i ask about first and foremost covid everyone Mm -hmm. healthy Anybody sick in your family, et cetera. And then I also ask about school. And if they're really having trouble in school and maybe the the teachers aren't aware, I'll reach out to the schools. The parents can too, but I will reach out. And if I have to make a 504, even if it's just for now and they don't need it in September, and I guarantee you most of these schools are very open to it. That's
0: good
1: that's excellent and that's really right. something that people should consider especially you know now that that our environment has completely changed um that's a really great point for sure
2: yes and i i also wanted to try and um i want to i tell parents that now's not the best time for harsh parenting um especially if children And teens are not doing what they're supposed to. I don't want to say that they shouldn't be held accountable, but rephrase things and positive reinforcement. Thanks for taking out the trash. That really Mm. helps me over and over and over. The kids will want to please. That is what kids Mm. want to do. It's
0: good to remember. And
2: it really, yeah, it, it helps them feel like they're a part of the family and just keep, just keep doing that positive reinforcement. So, and oh, one more thing about that um, partners, husbands, spouses. Now is a time where you start to see some resentment between um, partners. And okay, for different reasons, right? Oh, You know, my wife is not taking out the trash. My wife is not helping Uh, to try and take a step back, be mindful and not to be saying it out loud in front of the kids to talk about it in private and also positive reinforcement to each other. Thanks a lot for, you know, walking the dog. I was stressed Mm -hmm. out. That really helped. Uh, Yeah. Modeling good relationship skills,
1: right? For your kids. Yes. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think it helps yes. when you think, okay, how do I want my child to treat their wife, right? Their, their husband. And so you model that for them. I mean, how else are they going to learn? <laughs>
2: yeah, no, yes, exactly. And even couples now that had, that were able to do that before this, it's become it's different now. And things have changed, I think, for some, and it's very stressful. And, you know, things that you didn't see before, and now you are, such as your spouse got laid off, significant other, they're maybe becoming depressed. They don't have motivation, right? They're not helping in the house, So that's something else I think that we have to know as a family um, because our kids are going to see that also. So I think what I mean to say is this is hard work and it's different skills that we've never had to use before, or some people have never used before, or we've used it and now we're forgetting it because we have a whole new set of stressors.
1: And they're in so, a different context, your um, skills and tools. You're having to use them in a different context now.
2: Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I, uh, the first thing I always think about is financially and which that just leads to a lot more stress mm-hmm. for the family and then the kids. And that's, This is a time now where I think it's also important for parents if they can reach out. You know, I, I tell my families and I know other therapists are too, reach out to us. I'm here. You know, I don't have to charge you for this full session. Reach out. Let me, let me just help you. Let me just go over some things that maybe will set your mind at ease, things to help you to be kind to yourself and how you can um, teach your kids also and help them. So, and provide
1: resources.
2: Really I think important. validation is a so, big part of that, you know, just, things.
1: just validating that you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I had a, I had yes. a question
1: yep. about the internet use because I'm reading a lot online mm-hmm. about how, deleterious, Uh, a lot of internet use is now for kids. Um, you had touched on it before with the gaming, uh, leading to anger and depression. Um, and so what is too much internet, um, to give parents maybe a rule of thumb, too much internet, too much gaming and, um, How do you set boundaries for that? I I don't know the answer to that question.
2: Yes. So I like to think of it pre-pandemic, all that we're in. So there are those kids that were on uh, social media, were gaming already to an excessive Mm -hmm. amount and what's excessive it's different Mm -hmm. for each family however we know that
1: five hours
2: of continuous gaming is not healthy
1: i guess we could relate it to to yourself, right like for me to sit down on my computer for five hours would not be healthy for myself yeah
2: exactly right um Right. Because whether we're either so if we're in doing social media or if we're on YouTube, it we start to go off in different directions on YouTube. Mm. You know, you'll something will pop up and then uh, then something else about it will pop up. And what I'm finding is if the kids have more time on social media now because they're done school by one o'clock most of the time with the online schooling. uh it's going to lead them to websites they may never have thought to go on. That's because they have more time, right. not necessarily because they're re- they're searching for it. It's the way it is. And I also do believe that, that there are people out there that are taking oh, advantage wow. of this. Right.
1: I never even thought about that.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I do. I think predators uh, are, are, taking advantage of this, the dark web, the gaming. When do we say enough is enough? What I think is um, appropriate is to realize that on a rainy day, you have a 13-year-old child who can't go out and play sports, eh, not into really watching any kind of movie, to maybe, you know, two hours, then stop. Let's do X, Y, or Z time to come upstairs. We are the parents and we ultimately have control and it's, we, we have control over it. We have to make it our duty to tell the kids off. And if we have to take the controller away, we take it away, but we have to remember we make the rules and eventually our kids will, will realize that now they can't go on. I really need to emphasize that. Um, because if they start to get into this same routine where sitting downstairs or, or wherever they're at five hours of Fortnite, call of duty, if you listen to these kids, it's a bunch of yelling and screaming, um, because this one didn't get the right gun or this one didn't, Uh, you know, have the right team. It's, it's, it is so much yelling and the kids think about it. They come out of this gaming that they're angry. Uh, They're all, you know, anxious. They don't know why. Um, And then I think what's happening is kids now that they can't play their sports or, uh, you know, they're not in school. Now they're identifying themselves or maybe their self-worth through the gaming. Oh, I can't believe I lost again. Um, Now they're also getting into competition where money is involved. Mm. Yes. At young ages. So uh, that leads to a whole other set of problems and you're not allowed to do that until you're 18, but it's not happening. So, so those are things that we have to know as parents and, Setting rules, at at least for the amount of time, so that they get out and they get back to reality and they don't start, you know, losing touch with reality, Um, you know, being on playing these violent games, I would say for a total, I would say no more than five hours a day, Mm -hmm. a day. And that's probably even way too much for certain families, but I'm just trying to be realistic, realistic. honestly,
1: because I'm thinking about what my own screen time is, which I won't say, but it's more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Exactly. Sure. Right.
2: And, and also, um, checking in, checking in with your child, what's going on. I just discovered that my daughter likes this famous YouTuber, Sean Dawson. harmless guy but I'm like really?
1: When did Mm. you learn about him? And now I have to look him up. Right. And it's something Uh, you can share potentially. It's
2: sure and I want to make sure that that you know this guy is you know okay.
1: (laughs) I shouldn't be worried.
2: Uh, Right and Scarlett I could get into so much more but another big thing is these online chat groups and it's not Uh, like Bumble, it's where kids are meeting other kids all over, you know, the United States, but they're talking to maybe 25 year olds. They're quote unquote dating. It's this whole other world now because they don't, they, you know, they can't see their boyfriend or it's a whole other world. I've had to look some of them up because I said, really? Really? I didn't know that existed. Um, I learn a lot. I learn a lot from my patients, especially my teenagers. Um, So that's something else. So what do we do as parents? We have to check in. We just have to find out what's going on. Not to be judgmental, no harsh parenting, but to just let them know that we're there looking out for them. And is how important it is for them to tell us about things that are going on or if something makes them uncomfortable.
1: So, wrap up what you've been telling us. Structure is very important and makes kids feel safe. Family time is yes. really important. You're a family, you're home, uh, and, and, and enjoy each other. And uh, I can add a little uh, perspective to that because you know, nobody guaranteed anyone tomorrow, regardless of how old you are and you've got your family right there. So enjoy family time as much as you can. Um, working as a team, sometimes mom's tired. And so the kids can kick in and feel good about themselves and be productive because families are teams and you also said no harsh parenting. You don't take out your frustration uh, and anxiety on your children. You want to model what, uh, h- how to handle those things in the best way possible. Because I'm learning from you right now, and uh, and 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 in doing that, you're leading by example and showing kindness and patience and. That's really important. I think those are wonderful things to, to practice because this is, of course, a practice. And if our parents, you know, kind of fall, fall off, I know, I, um, then you just kind of you you learn from mistakes and you get back up and you dust yourself off. We're not perfect. And you just go forward. And, you know, that is that in itself is teaching kids how to be kind to yourself. And um, you know, just continue moving forward.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. This is all of the things that I think right now um, are really important to start teaching ourselves and our kids. And so, I think positive things are going to come out of this too. I do. I'm I'm hearing more and more families are actually having meals together. I know we are, we never did before yeah. this, we were too right. busy, <laughs> you know? So there are good things coming out of it. Yeah,
1: there, there are going to be good things. I mean, literally this is an opportunity for growth when we're outside of our comfort zones, which we all are, we've been talking about this whole time, we're in our growth zones and we, uh, you know, every thought that we have leads us towards flourishing or languishing and we can use this time to flourish it's difficult uh and it's a a big challenge and people are suffering and going through a lot of difficulty but even that cultivates resilience in us and might even be setting us up to be doing something uh in the future and So because I I am looking at myself, and I know that that happened with me. So in in past events, that led me each one to be able to handle the next one. Um, So I think that it's important to realize that. And of course we call that choosing love (laughs) thoughtfully responding in any situation, circumstance, or interaction with love. We uh, bring in the formula and I'll just do that at the very end. Um, This all obviously takes a lot of courage, being grateful for each other, forgiving uh, lots of opportunities to practice our forgiveness for ourselves and for others, and then stepping outside of ourselves to help others, which is how you started this podcast, Jackie, any last, uh, words of wisdom for our parents, educators, or maybe even some older students that are listening.
2: Now might be a good time to volunteer. There are loads of places that need volunteers and, and what, where I'm going with that is that's another way to help yourself feel good about yourself. Um, knowing what it means to give back, uh, knowing what it means to be kind and having good thoughts about what's going on with the pandemic and how those of us that are a little more fortunate than others, how we can give
1: back. And I think that's great, that's a great way to teach. We know that even science tells us all of the nurturing, healing love that out to others this ripple effect that can literally change the world. And there's so much amount of opportunity to do that for within each and every one of us. I love the anthropologist, Margaret Mead's quote, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world indeed, because it's the only thing that ever has. And um, this is, this is an opportunity for that. So thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate your insight into what you're seeing in your personal practice and giving us some tips and hints on what to look for in our own families and uh and in ourselves so thank you so much for joining us thank you Scarlett. My so pleasure. and thank you choose love friends for your time and we will be connecting soon thanks for choosing love.
2: it's all part of us We can all choose love, it'll lift you up, if
0: you let it in, let the healing begin. Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. Join the worldwide movement to choose love. Our programming is in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country, in every state and over 112 countries and counting. We are giving individuals of all ages the essential life skills they need to flourish. You can be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org.